Well, good morning, church. Glad you're here this morning. We have been in the last couple of weeks in a series called Together. In fact, it's one of those series I told you from the get-go that it's something that the Lord's really been dealing with me with. So this week, Patrick and I met, and I said, hey, listen, I think I got a lot more to say than I thought I was wanting to say. And so we're going to extend the series out to like October the 3rd because there's so much about togetherness that as a church that we need to hear, we need to understand, and quite honestly, we need to buy into. And so we started this series by talking about the truth of togetherness. And if you remember, we looked at a passage in 1 Corinthians that reminded us that we are united in Christ, but yet we are diverse as the body of Christ, right? That we are one, but we are what? Many. There's multitudes of us, so we all, which means that we're all extremely valuable, that we all bring something to the table that as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, every single one of us is needed in the kingdom. And it also means this, because we're united but diverse, that means whether we like it or not, we need each other. Amen? All of you are not convinced of that. All right, I got it. All right. But we need each other. We really, really do. So we talked about the truth of togetherness. And then last week I said, yeah, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks talking about what are some things that can fracture togetherness? What are some things that can come along and begin to, to hinder or to threaten togetherness? So last week we talked about really maybe the most important one. We talked about conflict. And we talked about how to biblically resolve conflict. And we looked at Matthew 18, and we didn't look at the words of Paul. We looked at the words of Jesus himself as he said, here's how I want you to deal with conflict in the church. And in fact, we use that passage even in church life to deal with church discipline, if you've ever heard of that. And so that passage is wonderful about how do we deal with conflict in the church. And the point is, if we're not willing to deal with conflict, it's going to fracture our togetherness. Because let's be honest, aren't we all flawed? Are you convinced of that? Tyler, you're flawed too. I know you're looking around going, it's not me. We're all flawed. We're all broken. We're all messy. We're all going to create issues. And we're going to have conflict in the body of Christ. But rather than sweeping it under the rug, if we're going to maintain togetherness, we need to know how to biblically handle that conflict. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to it. Now today I want to talk about a second thing that I think can hinder our togetherness, that can really threaten and fracture our togetherness. And it's going to seem odd when I say it, but just track with me this morning. And it's this, our lack of boundaries. I think one thing that can really hinder the togetherness in the body of Christ is our lack of boundaries, both personally and within the body of Christ, a lack of boundaries. Now, when you think about boundaries, typically we think about physical boundaries. So real quickly, just shout out. And remember, I can only hear out of one ear. So when I say shout out, I really mean shout out. I want you to shout out what are some physical boundaries that we're all aware of. Just shout it out. Fences, only one person. Come on, what are some physical boundaries? Fences, gates, what else? Somebody say doors. Who said doors? Yes, doors, absolutely. What else? Walls, right? Right, walls, right? Okay, obviously. What else do we have? Locks. How many of you have a, uh, a pin code on your debit card? That's a boundary, isn't it, right? Because if somebody steals your card, you don't want them getting the ATM. And so we're very familiar with physical boundaries. And the reality is those physical boundaries are very real, and most of the time, they're easily to be seen. We all have doors on our homes for a reason. Many of us have gates or fences around our house because we want privacy. We work really hard to create physical boundaries, and physical boundaries are everywhere. We see them all the time. In fact, this pipe and drape around you is a boundary because we don't want your focus on anything but then the stage and what God is doing right here. So we have physical boundaries everywhere, and they're real, and they're easily to see. However, 
I think spiritual boundaries are just as real, but we don't see them as often, do we? In fact, I would say that we spend a lot of time developing physical boundaries, but how much time do we spend developing spiritual boundaries as it relates to interacting with other people? Most of us would say, I, I, I don't know that I do that at all. In fact, the thing about it is, though, if you go to Scripture, you do see this call to, to have some boundaries in our life, personally and in the body of Christ. In fact, Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, what? Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. What is that? Is that a boundary? Sure it is. When we're called to guard our heart, we're called to protect our heart and to guard it. That is a boundary that we're putting in place. So today, what I want us to do is I want us to take a few moments and I want us to look at two boundaries that we find in Scripture that we must have in the body of Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Now, as you think about boundaries, I should hear your pages turning. Galatians chapter 6, grab your smart device, grab somebody else's smart device, I don't care. Galatians chapter 6. Now, the one thing I want you to know about boundaries is this. Typically, when we think about boundaries, we, we kind of think about it negatively maybe, but we always think about the protection side. Now, hear me on this. Boundaries in the body of Christ do protect togetherness. It does protect that. But let me say this too I want you to think about. Boundaries not only protect boundaries also direct. I'm not trying to rhyme there, but they also direct us. So here's what I mean. If I'm driving through the Smoky Mountains, which I don't like to do and don't want to do, don't care to do, but I've done before, when you're driving through these hills and you're going like this and you know what I'm talking about, what do they have at the very pinnacle of a mountain as it makes a sharp turn down the lift? What do they have? Guardrails. Now, what is a guardrail? A guardrail sends you this message. Danger, danger, because if you go over this guardrail, this guardrail is here to protect you, because if you go over it, there's a cliff here, and you're going to die, right? So it is a means of protection, but it's also a means of direction, because there's a guardrail there. Guess what? I don't want to go over there. I want to take the curve the way I'm supposed to take the curve. So when we think about boundaries, here's what I want you to think about all morning long. They are designed to direct us how we're to function within the body of Christ, but they're also designed to protect us and to protect togetherness. And if that makes sense, say, I got it. All right, let's all stand together as we read Galatians chapter 6. First five verses, here we go. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5 say this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so, fulfill, so fulfilling the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for the passage today. And God, as we think about boundaries, I know it's not something we think about often in church, but I believe it's one of those things that can fracture and threaten the togetherness that you want in your body of Christ. So God, be with us. May you, may you unpack your word in our hearts today. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at the passage, there are really two boundaries that I want you to notice with me. And I know in church, when you talk about boundaries, you're like, man, this is kind of weird. I never thought about this, never talked about this. But listen, when you read scripture, there's all kinds of boundaries. There's all kinds of boundaries that we see about how we're to live our life. Like when Jesus says, you know, pray for those who persecute you. Is that a boundary that you're to have in your life spiritually? So when someone persecutes me, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Pray for them, right? 
And I'm just saying as we read scripture, especially the epistles, the letters of Paul, we see boundaries with how we're to act within the body of Christ. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he gives us boundaries about the Lord's Supper. We're going to come to that in about a month, about the Lord's Supper, how when you come together, how it's supposed to be handled and how you're supposed to examine and remember. And if you don't do it, you're going to bring judgment on yourself. He gives us boundaries how to function within the church. And I think there's boundaries, two particular boundaries that I see in this passage. The first one's found in verse 1. He said, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Here's the first boundary. You ready? We must be willing to pick others up. That's one of our boundaries, that we're called to pick others up. Now, if we go back to the scripture, there's some phrases here that are going to help us out. Some phrases I want you to know. Let's go back to the, the, the verse if we can. Uh, the first thing he says here is this, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, that first phrase is caught in a transgression. Now, let me tell you what that means. That means this person has been found out. They've done something sinful, and they have 100% been found out. It's not hearsay. It's not somebody thinks it happened. This person is guilty. In other words, to say that they were caught in any transgression means that this guy's guilt or this person's guilt is obvious. There's no, there's no hearsay. There's no, I heard it through the grapevine. There's evidence, and this person has done it. So guilt is not an issue. So he says this, if you as the body of Christ, Come across any brother who's been caught in a transgression. Here's what I want you to do. You who are spiritual. You who are spiritual. Now, don't raise your hand. But if I said, who of you are spiritual? Many of you would have that humbleness that come over you and go, well, I can't raise my hand because I've raised my hand and I'm not very spiritual. And there's many of you that would jump your body up off your chair and go, that's me. That's who you're talking about. Well, spiritual is not in the sense that the word spiritual doesn't mean the sense of that you're aware of spiritual things or, you know, we meet people all the time that's a spiritual person. So they go to the psychic network and all that. That's not what he means. The word spiritual here means those of you who are spiritual, those of you who are walking by the spirit. That's what Paul's talking about. Those of you that have the heart and the mind of Christ about you. In other words, those of you like last week who understand Matthew 18 and understand the call to deal with conflict, those of you who are spiritual. So if you catch anybody in the church, anybody who is caught in a transgression, in other words, it'd be like if I was going into to Publix and uh, I saw Tyler, who never really blows it, and I saw Tyler, you know, walk out and somebody kind of cut Tyler off and, and Tyler was ugly with them and verbally kind of abused them and I was driving by and, and saw this happen and actually witnessed it. That's what it means to be caught in transgression. Let's just say that Tyler yells at them, screams at them, yells some words he shouldn't yell and then, you know, shows them the unicorn as he walks by, you know, and just kind of, you know, you know whatever it is. And all of a sudden, I've seen it happen. Listen, you laugh, but I've seen stuff like that happen. And church members, they're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Well, those who are caught in transgression, those of you who are spiritual, those of you who are walking with the Lord, those of you that love Jesus, those of you that have the mind and the heart of Christ, here's what I want you to do. You ready? The next thing he says, I want, you should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Here's what I mean. When we come across people who are transgressed, they're in the body of Christ and they've sinned. Now look, how many of us sin? All of us, right? Every single one of us. We're going to blow it sometimes. And I can tell you story after story of how I've blown it. I mean, I can tell you, and I may have said this before, that I loved coaching, super intense in coaching. And there were numerous of times when I would be on the, the baseball field with my sons who were playing, mainly James, and, and I would yell things what I thought were encouragingly to the umpire as to how to better make the decision that they did not make, that they should have made. 
to my wife afterwards would then tell me, hey, you know, your testimony is more important than you being right and us winning a game. And why I know spiritually she's correct, you know, in my gut, I'm like, but that doesn't matter. They still should have done it the right way. So, so I've had moments where I've had to be a caught in a transgression, and my wife, who was spiritual, who was walking with the Lord, had to do something. She had to call me out. And he says, listen, if you catch somebody in transgression, and they've done something sinful, I want those of you that are walking with the Lord, I want you to go, and I want you to restore them. I want you to restore them. That word restore means to repair, to mend, you ready? Or to pick up. That's where we get this first point. To restore them carries the idea of going on. They've done something they should do. Now listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've completely blown it, like if Tyler had blown it in the parking lot of Publix, is the Holy Spirit in him going to convict him of what he's done? Sure he is. Absolutely he's going to. And so when you go to that person, your goal is to restore them back. That means to repair, to mend, to pick up. Now you say, well, Doug, how do we do that? How do we restore somebody? Well, first of all, like in Tyler's case, because Tyler, you've never done this, but I'm just going to pick on you this morning because you're close. So in Tyler's case, I would go to Tyler and help him see the, the sinfulness of what he's done. And then I would go and say, man, here's ways that you can turn from that sin. Here's ways that you can deal with that sin that you didn't obviously deal with. And here's what you need to do. It also means supporting him through the consequences of his sin. Now, I didn't say remove his consequences. I said support him. So if that person stops the car and starts screaming at Tyler, you know, being able to support him because he deserved what he got. I mean, he deserved them stopping and having a conversation with him. And so not only does it mean me saying, Tyler, man, you blew it here, but here's how we turn from that sin. Don't do it that way. It also means supporting him in the face of those consequences. It also means this, rebuking him, but encouraging him. Rebuke, now listen, that word rebuke and encourage, you see those like a glove in Scripture. All the time when we're told to rebuke, encouragement always follows. And so restoring someone doesn't mean, hey, suck it up, buttercup, do better next time. Rebuking or restoring them literally means I'm going to go to them, and there's going to be real rebuke over sin because someone saw you do this. But also I want to encourage you because God's not done with you. We all blow it. We all screw up. We all make mistakes. But we've got to turn from that, right? And we've got to deal with the consequences of that. And I'm here not to judge you, not to condemn you. I'm here to pick you up. And the first thing that we have to do, and the first boundary that I believe Paul gives us is that we need to pick others up. And he says you need to restore him in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Now, this is where most of us would struggle, right? Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. That word gentleness just means with grace, humility, and understanding. That's how we restore people. When we catch somebody in sin, listen, I have found this to be true in my life. I found it to be true in others' life. I think it's true across the board. When someone goes to someone else who's caught in sin, and they go angrily, and they go hateful, and they go with a condemning spirit, I oftentimes think the reason you're so angry with that person is because you see that same sin in your life. And you'd rather yell at that person than deal with it in your own life. So if I'm going to go with the spirit of gentleness, that means I'm going to have to do what Matthew 7 says. I'm going to have to examine my own heart. I'm going to have to examine my own motives. And so if I catch someone in sin and I have to go to them with the heart to restore them, to bring them back, and to rebuke but encourage, and I have to go with the spirit of gentleness, I need to make sure that I check my heart and make sure that I'm going gracious, I'm going understanding, and I'm going humbly. And did you pick up on what Paul said, he said, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. In other words, he's saying, listen, those of you that are spiritual, 
you're not exempt from screwing up either. Those of you that are walking with the Lord, you can be tempted just like this person was tempted. Don't you ever think for a second that you're above the possibility of blowing. The moment you think that you're above it, you're going to mess up. So don't you dare for one minute think that you are exempt from this because those of you that are spiritual, you're going to blow it too. And when people come to you, don't you want them to come to you with gentleness? Not a condemning spirit? So listen, I'm just telling you, in the body of Christ, when someone has been caught in a transgression, whether you see it, someone else see it, whatever the case may be, those that are spiritual, those that are people that are walking with the Lord, need to go to that person with this goal, to restore them. To restore them, to repair, to mend, to pick them up. If you're with me, say, I got you, Doug. Now listen, when I was thinking about this, here's what I want you to know. When we pick others up, that directs us how we're to function in the body of Christ, because we're all going to blow it. But it also protects us in our togetherness. When we pick others up, it protects this sense of selfishness. It protects this sense of, I don't need anybody. And it gives the sense of community, the sense of we need each other because we are an example to a lost world. And whether you believe it or not, a lost world is watching the modern church, seeing how we act with conflict in the church, how we act when somebody in the church falls, sins. They're watching. And so this helps direct us. Picking others up helps direct how we're to function, but it also protects togetherness. Now, as I was thinking about this point, I thought about something that I hadn't thought about in years. In fact, when I was first in ministry, I was 18 years old when I served in my first church. It was way too, you know, way too young to do that, but they let me. And, and before I did that, though, I was, I was called to ministry. I would do supply preaching. And supply preaching basically meant this. Churches that didn't have pastors would call the association, uh, the, Southern, the Southern Baptist Association, and say, hey, listen, we don't have a pastor. Could you send somebody to preach? And they would call me, and then I would go, and I would go preach. And my brother came and heard me one time, and he would tell you to today, the best sermon I ever preached is when I was 18 years old. And I'm just going to tell you, it was the worst sermon I've ever preached in my life. I mean, it was terrible. I'm not even sure I had a scriptural reference in it at all. I think I might have referenced the 1 Corinthians 12 passage about being one body but many members. But I told a story, something that I had learned that I did not know, and the title of my sermon was, Do You Have As Much Sense As a Goose? That was the title of my sermon. Never forget it. And I took the three things that I had learned about geese and applied it to the body of Christ. And you may know this, and if you know this, you just humor me for a moment. But geese, first and foremost, they fly in a V formation, right? You do know that, right? Geese fly in a V formation. And if they fly in a V formation, if you're a goose, a part of the, the flock that's flying in a V formation, scientists will tell you that you will fly 71% further flying together than you will flying on your own. So you can go further. Also with geese, the front goose, this is kind of hard to say, the front goose is taking on all of the, the air and the wind, and they get fatigued. And so when they get tired, guess what they do? They drop back and go to the, if you notice, one line's always longer than the other. They will drop back to the longest line, and another goose would move up to the front of the V formation, and then the back goose who's tired would catch the draft of the other, and it would carry them along. This is pretty good stuff, isn't it? Terrible message, but pretty good stuff. But here's the thing that I learned the most that I want to talk about today or apply to today is this. When one goose, forgive me for saying this, gets shot or something and they go down, did you know this? That at least two geese will go with it. And they will stay with that one goose either till it's dead or till it's healed and then they will follow, pick it, they will they literally, uh, I, guess, I guess more emotionally, pick it up. They will wait on it till it's healed and so it can, re it can go back up and it can join, rejoin the formation that it once left. They don't join a new formation. They join the old formation. So when one goes down, two will go with it. 
until he either dies or can rejoin. And I think in the body of Christ sometimes when people blow it, we just write them off. When people blow it, we're like, well, I hope that works out for them. When people blow it, we just discard them, don't we? And I think we kind of need to be like geese and have maybe that much sense. And when someone goes down, we got to go after them, don't we, church? When someone has blown it or someone's struggling or someone's gone out and someone, like, you look around, man, there's empty seats. Well, who is, why are they not here? Well, maybe they've gone down. And is anybody going after them? We need some geese in the room that will go after them. Why? Because one of the boundaries we need to have in the body of Christ is we need to come along and pick others up. Let me give you a second boundary. It's found in verse 2 through 5. Look at me in verse 2 through 5. He says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one test his own work and for his own reason to boast in himself alone and not in his neighbors. Here's the second boundary. You ready? Not only are we to pick others up, we're to hold others up. Not just pick them up. Hold them up. Did you pick up on what he said here in verse 2? We're to bear one another's burdens. This is big. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to come alongside them and we're to bear their burden. That word bear means to assist, to carry, or to hold up. Now, you see this idea of bearing others' burdens throughout Scripture. Do you remember in the Old Testament when they were in battle and they were holding, Moses holding his hands up and the battle, and when his hands were up, the battle was being won, and when his hands came down, they were losing the battle? Do you remember that story? And what happened when Moses' arms got tired? What happened? What happened? People came along and did what? Held his arms up. Right? Are you with me on that? He was tired, his arms were up, and people came alongside him and said, you know what? <laughs> we're going to be here with you, bro. We're going to assist you. We're going to help carry you. We're going to hold you up, literally, and held his arms up. In Acts chapter 11, the church of Antioch knew that a famine was coming to the area of Judea. This famine would not impact them at all, but they knew their brothers and sisters in Christ were going to be impacted, and there was going to be this great famine. So you know what they did? They gathered a collection of money together, and they sent that collection to the people in Judea so they would be taken care of. They came to the assistance of their brothers and sisters in Christ in Judea that was going to experience a famine. So we see this idea of bearing, of caring, assisting, and holding others up all throughout Scripture. But he says, I want you to bear one another's burdens. The Greek word for burden here is the word baros, and it means heavy issues. I want you to bear each other's heavy issues. That's why we have a boulder on the stage right up here, this big boulder right here. We have this big boulder here because this represents heavy issues. So when we think about burdens, I want you to think bolder. Can you say that with me? Heavy issues, I think. Heavy issues, I think. Man, you're great. So here we go. When we think about heavy issues, we think about bolder kind of issues. Now here's the thing about bolder kind of issues. We all have them. Now I think in context, when Paul's writing this, he's talking about to the church in a very specific way that the person who's been caught in sin, he's got some, some burdens that obviously you need to come along and help him bear that might potentially take him back to the act of sin. Whatever burdens he's bearing that's going to take him back to sin, I want you to help him with that. But also I think Paul's talking about generically. We all have heavy issues in life, don't we? Now I'm talking about issues that happen that come unexpectedly, that weigh our lives down. Now, let me give you a few of those issues. How about divorce? Is that a bolder issue? Come on, church, is that a bolder issue? Man, I have walked journeys with families 
that have gone through this, and you think it weighs them down spiritually? Man, you think it weighs their life and their family down? You better believe it. And Paul says, I want you to come help bear the burdens of the bolder issues, of the heavy issues in others' life. Divorce is a bolder issue. What about this one? What about cancer? Is that a bolder issue? Come on, all of a sudden you're healthy, you go to the doctor because you need a physical, and next thing you know, you've got some kind of cancer. And now the world begins, to, what happens to your world in that moment? It's turned upside down. And you think that's a burden that people bear all the time? Sure it is. What about this one? What about tragedy? The loss of something. The loss of someone. The loss of a job. Is that a bolder issue? Come on, church, is that a bolder issue? Sure it is. These are heavy issues that people in the church deal with all the time. Divorce, tragedy, I mean, all these things, cancer, these are bolder kind of issues. And Paul says, I want you to bear one of those burdens. I want you to help carry their burdens. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Doug, how do I come alongside someone who's gone through cancer? And how do I help carry that burden? I can't physically lift it. How do I do it? Well, let me just tell you how you do it. You just be present. Maybe as simple as taking a meal to them will matter. Maybe going sitting in their living room with them and just having a conversation. They're not trying to fix them. You're not trying to convince them. You're just being present with them and letting them know you love them. In fact, one, of my, one guy I talked to that, that goes here, Charles Baker, I heard him say this to me numbers of times. He said this. He said, Doug, he said, people don't know how much you care until they know how much you care. Now think about that. People don't know how much you care until they know how much you care. And part of caring for people is bearing one another's burdens. It's saying, you know what? I'm going to be present with you. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to pray for you. Maybe it's a handwritten note talking about how you're praying for them and you're lifting them up. Somehow figure out a way to come alongside them and help them carry their bolder issue, whether it be cancer, tragedy, or whatever it might be. We could list a host of other things, but bolder issues are issues that come that weigh our lives down. And as the body of Christ, we're called to hold each other up, right? And one way you do that is by bearing one another's burdens, by being present and helping them carry and assisting them and holding them up to whatever heavy issues they've got coming their way. So to, to hold others up begins by bearing one another's burdens. And Paul says when we do this, guess what? We fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love. When we help others bear their burdens, we are loving people the way Jesus wants us to love people. Because guess what? Is this a quick moment in your life helping other people bear their burdens? Does it take like insignificant amount of time or does it take a lot of time? Is it emotionally draining or emotionally doesn't matter at all? It takes something out of you, right? But when we choose to do this, when we choose to bear others' burdens, to come alongside their heavy issues and to pray for them, be present with them, love on them, and all those kinds of things, we are doing exactly what Jesus wants us to do. We're fulfilling the law of Christ. And then look what Paul says here in verse 3 and 4. He says something very peculiar. In verse 3 through 4, he says this, For if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each of you test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in the neighbor. In other words, Paul says, listen, there's some of you that think you're too good to bear other people's burdens. But I got news for you. You're broken too. You think that you're too good. You think you don't need to help other people bear their burdens. But I guess what? You've got some heavy issues in your life too. And I want you, and listen, I want you to examine your heart. He says, I want you to examine your work. That, that idea of work there is not, is not salvation tied. It's the idea of my own motivation, my own heart, how I'm living life. 
He said, I want you to examine your own heart because listen, if you're doing it the way God wants you to do it, you can rejoice. If you come alongside and bear other people's burdens, you can rejoice of how God is working through you. But if you, if you, if you aren't doing that, if you don't have that heart, you're never going to have that pride. You're never going to have that joy in your heart. And so Paul says, listen, if we're going to have some boundaries in the church, here's one of the boundaries. We've got to hold other people up. And one way we do that is bearing one another's burdens. But here's something else it means to hold others up. It means to let everyone else carry your own load. That not only to uh, bear one another's burdens, we're also to allow others to carry their own load. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, this seems counterproductive uh, to what we just talked about, right? If I just said everybody, you're to help bear other people's burdens, but now I'm saying you're to carry your own load, does that seem like it's in conflict with one another? Isn't the word for burden and load the same word? And I'm so glad you asked that because the answer is no, it is not. The word load is the Greek word for teon, and it means that which weighs the soul. It's different. Burden is a heavy issue that comes into my life that weighs my life down. A load is an issue in my life that weighs my soul down. This is something that's happened that weighs me down, but load, that is an internal struggle I have. In fact, we're going to call those backpack issues. Do you see the difference here? Heavy issues, bolder issues, internal struggles, backpack issues. We're to help other people bear a burden or carry these burdens, but he says everybody's got to carry their own load. Now, did you hear me on that, church? Are you with me? We're to bear one another's burdens. If you've gone through some things, we're going to come and support you, lift you up, hold you up, but I can't carry your backpack for you. I mean, how awkward would it be if Elijah and I both try to carry the same backpack? How awkward would that be? Pretty awkward, wouldn't it? He would probably win, but I mean, I mean, in fact, I've got some internal struggles. Elijah can't carry my internal struggles. Now, over here, if I had cancer happen, or if I had some kind of massive moment in life where things went south for me, could he come along and help me bear my burdens? Absolutely, but he can't carry my internal struggles. Let me list a few internal struggles that I think we go through sometimes. How about crisis of faith? You ever known somebody that's going through a crisis of faith? Something happens in life, and like, man, I don't even know if God exists. I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know if God is trustworthy, and they go through a crisis of faith. What about this one? What about peace? You ever known somebody that's searching for peace, that they're, they're longing for, they're looking for, and they just can't find it? What about this internal struggle? What about self-worth, right? That I, that I matter, that I'm significant. What about this one? How about loneliness? You ever known somebody that wrestled with loneliness? That's an internal struggle, and here's one that maybe we don't think about. What about calling? How God has called us in life. That's an internal struggle, right? I mean, all of these are internal struggles. These are the, Over here, we have bolder issues, things that happen in life that weigh us down. But over here, we have internal struggles that happen, loads, fortions that happen that weigh our soul down. Now, hear me on this, church. You can't carry somebody else's load, but you can carry their boulder. Or do you hear me on that? You can't, listen, you cannot carry someone's crisis of faith. I can direct you to Jesus. I can encourage you to pursue Christ. I can encourage you. I can't carry your crisis of faith. I can't carry your search for peace in your life. And you can't carry somebody else either. I can't carry your sense of self-worth. I can point you to scripture. I can tell you what God thinks of you. But I can't carry that for you. 
Only you can carry your own backpack. I can't carry for you your sense of loneliness. I can't do it, and neither can you. And here's the thing about it. I want you to understand as a church that if, if, our, if our, part of the body of Christ, one of our boundaries is holding others up. We need to understand that we're to bear one another's burdens, that we're to help carry the heavy issues of life. But he said, everybody's got to carry their own load. I can't carry your internal struggles. I can't. Now, here's where the lines get blurry. You ready? Because I know what you're thinking, because you're way smarter than I am. I know what you're thinking. Here's where the lines get blurry. Okay, Doug, what happens if I lose my husband to cancer? Yeah, people can come along and carry that burden. But what if that leads me to a crisis of faith? Are you with me on that, church? What happens if a boulder issue happens and it leads to a backpack issue? Well, here's what you need to realize. You can help carry this. You still can't carry that. You can pray. You can direct them. You can encourage them. But Paul says everyone must carry their own load. And we see this through Scripture, right? In 1 Peter, Peter says, uh, uh, everyone, he says, um, Cast your cares on him, for cares you. That word cares can also be translated anxiety, and it directly refers to internal struggles. In other words, Paul says the only place you can take your internal, your internal struggles is to the Lord. He's the one that can carry your load, not people. People carry burdens, boulders. Only the Lord can carry your backpack. Jesus himself said it this way, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy what? Laden. And I will give you rest. That word heavy laden, the Greek word there is a, a word that is a derivative of this word for tion, which means the same thing. It's talking about an internal struggle. Jesus says, you come unto me, all who are internally struggling, and I'll give you rest. He didn't say go to Peter. He didn't say go to James. He didn't say go to John. He said, you come to where? To me. At church, I'm telling you, if there's something I want us to know, because in church life, we screw this up all the time. What happens is we want to bear other people's burdens, but what we find out is we're trying to carry everybody else's backpack, and we're frustrated by carrying their backpack. There's no satisfaction in carrying their backpack. And here's the danger. You listen, here's the danger of trying to carry somebody else's inward struggles, like the search for peace and faith and all those kinds of things. Here's the danger. First of all, they become too dependent on you. That's one of the great struggles. Can I just say this in a nice way? You're not the answer. You're not the answer. Another thing is this, not only do they can become too dependent upon you, at the same token, they also get to that place where they're only looking for you for wisdom instead of the Lord. But here's the greatest danger, you ready? When people come to you to carry their backpack issues, not their boulders, when they come to you to carry those kinds of things, you are not holding them up, you are holding them back. Do you hear me on that? We're not lifting them up in that moment, we're trying to be the answer, and listen, I struggle with this because I'm a fixer by nature. You got a problem? Man, I want to fix it. You got, and before we leave today, I want to fix everybody before you walk. I mean, I am a fixer by nature. But here's what God has taught me. I can help bear people's burdens. Man, I can, well, I can't. Sonny can make a great meal. I can make a phone call. I can write a note. I can be present. I can walk a journey. I can help you lift this, and I want to help you lift this. But even though I want to help here, I can't. I can direct you to Christ. I can point you to Scripture. I can pray for you, but I'm not the answer for your crisis of faith. I'm not the answer to the peace that you're searching for. You can only leave your load at the feet of Jesus, and only he can carry it. This is a huge boundary. So the, boundary, the second boundary we learn is this, is that if we're going to hold others up, we need to bear one another's burdens, not carry their loads. Now, my prayer for us this morning is simple. We have two boundaries that Paul talks about. Boundary number one, pick others up. 
Boundary number two, hold others up. In the body of Christ, these two boundaries direct how we're supposed to function in the body of Christ. But they also are there to protect and to protect togetherness in the body of Christ. And so here's my prayer for us. It's so simple this morning. Is that we would be a people of God and that we would be a church that would commit this morning that we want to help bear people's burdens. Because everybody look at me. There are people in this church and in this room that have gone through some junk. And they need some people to come alongside them just like Moses and to literally help hold them up. We need people to help bear some burdens. And I want us to be a church that this is primary in our lives. I also want to be a church that begin to pray, Lord, would you give me the spirit of discernment between a boulder issue and a backpack issue? Lord, would you give me the discernment to know when I can help bear it and when I just have to redirect them to you because I can't carry this? And then my third prayer has been this, that maybe somebody here this morning, man, you've got some loads in your life. You've got some things. You've got some internal struggles that you're wrestling with. Listen, you are surrounded by some of the most godly people I've ever met in my life, but they don't have your answer. They can't carry your load. Only Jesus can. And this morning, in just a moment after I'm done praying, if you're carrying some internal struggles, if you're carrying that crisis of faith, or if you're carrying that you're trying to find peace and you can't find anything, or you're struggling with self-worth or calling, whatever it is, I'm going to tell you, if you've got a load this morning, if you've got some internal struggles that are, that are raging in you, this altar's open. And I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, would you just lay them down at the feet of Jesus? Say, Lord Jesus, would you take my load this morning? I'm wrestling, and I need you. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I'm a believer that, that, and I want to be so conscious about bearing other people's burdens, this altar is open for you. I pray that we all have a heart that when we see people hurting and struggling and going through some stuff, that we rise up and we help bear their burdens. Listen to me before I close. We want to be a church that's extremely healthy. We got to get this right. Because here, I come alongside you. Over here, I point you to the only one that can handle your load, and that's Jesus. Let's all stand together as we pray. Let's all stand together. God, I love you. I thank you for today, and I know this is, this is a bizarre kind of thing to think about this morning, Lord, but I do believe without everything in me, if we're going to be the kind of church you want us to be, we've got to have boundaries in the body of Christ. And as we look at the Apostle Paul, we realize and recognize today that one of those boundaries that we need to have a heart to pick others up. When they've, gone, when they've sinned and they've rebelled, we need to come alongside them and pick them up to restore them, to, to, to bring them back. But we also need to have a boundary of holding others up, Lord. Others who've got some burdens, some bolder issues, may we come alongside them and help them bear it. But God, for those that have backpack issues, some internal struggles, May you help us as believers realize we can't carry those. We can pray for them. We can encourage them. We can redirect them. We can give them scripture. But we can't bear that load. And Paul tells us that. So God, I pray for believers today. That if we really want to have a heart to bear other people's burdens, that we might ask you to give us that heart at this altar this morning. That maybe we would come to this altar and say, Lord, would you give me a heart to see the burdens that other people have and to be someone who helps them bear those burdens, to help them carry those burdens, to hold them up. But Lord, I pray for people that have got some loads in their life, some things, some internal struggles they're wrestling with. I pray that they would just feel led to come to this altar and say, Lord, I give it to you. This whole peace thing, I've tried everything. 
I've tried wrong relationships. I've tried alcohol. I've tried job changes. I've tried everything. But today I want to give you a shot, Lord. Today I want to surrender my life and ask you to bring me peace that only you can bring. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here that needs to make that decision. So God, whatever load we have, will we bring it to the altar this morning and ask you to take it? May we do what Jesus himself said, that all of us who are weary and heavy laden, may we come to him and find rest. God, be with us and move only as you can today. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need to come, the altar's open.